Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Limitless Estates, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family by using real estate as your vehicle. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Before we get into today's interview, I wanted to tell you all about a special event that we are very excited for. For anyone who is interested in learning more about multifamily investing and ways to get started, we are hosting an event on Sunday, May 5th from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. in Long Beach, California. There will be a fantastic lineup of speakers, Kathy Fetke, Kenny Wolf, Jeff Greenberg, and that's just to name a few. We'll have breakout sessions, you'll meet local vendors, lunch will be provided, networking, special giveaways, and much more. The best part is we are offering a 50% discount for all of our listeners. Type in the promo code PODCAST, all lowercase, at checkout and you'll receive this offer. But you need to act fast because we're only giving this discount to the first 20 people. To learn more about this event, please go to www.multifamilymeetup.com la.com backslash la-meetup. This website will be in our show notes, so don't worry. Sign up and join us for this great event. We hope to see you there. All right, now let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host Lolita, also joined by Kyle. On the show with us today, Rama Krishna. Rama, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you? Thank you, Kyle and Alita. I'm doing really well. Good. So before we get into it, here's a little bit about Rama. He is an experienced real estate professional and an entrepreneur at heart. Rama started and sold two companies, which were Apertis Solutions and Technoceps LLC. He is currently the owner of Cloud Decisions, Inc. and CEO and director of Zovest Properties. Rama is well-versed in using Excel to create and update tracking spreadsheets. He has also bought single-family and multifamily assets, primarily in the South Atlantic region, which includes North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. So great stuff. Well, before we get into it, Rama, could you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Yeah. yeah thank you, Lalita, for the introduction. Yeah. As you said, like I'm a, in Silicon Valley. I'm an IT professional. Uh, so started uh, doing like all the IT companies, like services, products, and then I'm Right now, into my, my own consulting. I do freelance consulting in Salesforce. That's what I do in here in Silicon Valley. Uh, so when I was like, you know, the way I kind of came into real estate, which was never part of my, like, you know, even my horizon, like doing any real estate. So the only thing kind of struck me is like, you know, I'm getting good money here as a consultant here in Bay Area, but I need to show up every Monday morning, right? Like, you need, I need to do it all over again and again, every week, every month, every year, get my paycheck. So when I was trying to do different passive income strategies, I found real estate uh, is, is the best way on a long-term basis. There are cycles like up and downs, but on a long-term basis, everybody ha- needs to have a roof to live. So that's where like, you know, we can find good markets to invest. I thought this is a good way, vehicle for me to earn this passive income, not just for me, for my investors, so I, I'm, that, that's, that's how I started Zovest. 
to, to further invest and earn and retire. Great. Thank you for that. So your background is in IT and tech. How have you used that experience in this field to build your real estate career? Definitely, Kyle. So that's what it is, right? Like, you no, know, when you, when I saw uh, initially like single family homes, they are real estate. But when you see multifamily in apartments, this run as a business, right? Like you have it increase your income, it reduces expenses, like you have processes, you have to optimize these expenses, make sure, and then it's a people's business, right? You need to talk to a lot of people, right? So even that's the experience when I was in a consultant, other product services, um, businesses, you had to like meet a lot of people, like, you know, you need to increase your revenue, decrease your expenses to, to run efficiently, define processes, and IT also helped me here, like uh, the, the, the way I use a lot of tools. Um, with, when, you, when I do it, like, you know, I have co-stars, I have investment relationship softwares, def, de, several softwares I use, you know, and also, as you said, like the, the, the analysis that we do, uh, market analysis, property analysis, sub-market analysis, all help me with, with the experience what I have in IT. I wouldn't be like, you know, a lot of people say, okay, I, want, I, would, I should have started early, but I wouldn't change anything, right? Because all these experience in the last 15 years in the IT, and I'm starting my businesses, I started LLCs in corporations. Those all help me, like uh, working with professionals, attorneys, uh, make, to, make sure the documentation, everything is there. All this helped me, the 15, 20 years of experience in, in running, do, doing the apartment business. But I don't change anything. So you mentioned, you know, you left or you started investing in real estate to kind of get out of the day-to-day job. But when you had your own companies, you could have invested passively. What made you want to get into active real estate investment, especially when you're running your own tech companies? Right. So I kind of liked uh, the way it, you know, it is run, right? The apartments, like, you know, so it's just uh, the, the grind when you do the stress that you go through as an IT professional in Bay Area, right? Like I just wanted to come out of it, right? So here I have work, but like I can schedule the way I want. Like I have a weekly calls with property managers and investors. I can schedule the way I want it, right? Like I, I can take three months off. I can go off. I can do these calls from anywhere, right? I can go to India for three months. I can go to Hawaii for one month. I can do it from there, right? And then it's like two weeks. I can just like hide out and then come back. Like you can't do this in this business, mm-hmm. right? Like for consulting, I had to show up every week to, to go to these kind of places to develop software and it's a high stressful job, right? Yeah, no, that's a great point. You can do real estate from anywhere and, and I love that. So you've posted some articles on single family versus multifamily on your website. Can you speak to why you think multifamily is a superior asset class to single family? Right. So uh, I'm selling my single family, so I'm a little biased, right? No, more biased. I started in single families. There's nothing wrong in this. Even now, there is. It, it's based on how. What is your goal, right? If if you want like in a long term, like you know, wealth building, that is also one of the criteria. Like you're on your own, you don't need to worry about others. But the problem I see is, right, I, I invested in this in single families. I get like 300 to $400 every month on, it, on one property. There are like issues like, so what if this vacant for two months? When we underwrite these things, like you say, I'm getting like $300, $400. What if this vacant for a month? I never underwrote that. But what if this maintenance issues? I never underwrote when I bought these things. So even if it's, uh, you're getting cash flow, when you underwrite multifamily, 
all these things are taken into consideration. I have vacancy built in, I have expenses, maintenance, um, uh, all the factors are built in when you underwrite your multifamily apartments. It, it's not uh, that, you know, as a single family, you get this cash flow, but after like a you know, couple of years, you get a big HVAC issue or a roof issue. All these money that you saved in these two years are gone, right? And then the way like you can scale, right? I can buy 50 single family homes, but it will be diff extremely difficult for me to buy, procure and manage and get lending for this rather than a 50 unit apartment complex, right? So that's the reasons I, I, I had uh, in mind when I'm posting these blocks. And also from a mindset of a passive investor, I got into three scenarios. So you buying a single family home here as an investment in Bay Area, like I, I live in Bay Area, so I kind of more, most of my investors are here. I had three scenarios, uh, which if I can explain it if you want, Kyle. So, so that comparing a single family into multifamily investment. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go for it. Okay, so there are three scenarios I have listed in my blog. The first is investing in a single family here in Bay Area uh, as an investor, like with, with uh, proper lending and everything. Oh, sorry, not sorry. So just step back. So the first is, you know, it's a little bit controversial. Buying your primary home here in Bay Area versus a, buying an apartment complex, a small uh, apartment complex, I would say. All these three examples are real world examples, Kyle. So I wanted to make sure that they, they connect with that, right? First example, I know it's a little controversial because I'm comparing a primary home versus an investment home. So primary has a lot of emotions, a lot of other you know, things that are attached. I'm not, I'm not denying the fact that you know, somebody has to like, not to buy a primary home or to, to, to buy a primary home. I just took as an illustration to do it. So there are, uh, the example I took in this is, is a $1.5 million house in Santa Clara which I can walk from my home. I can see there are much expensive homes uh, nearby where I live. A lot of people buy. I saw 4,000, more than 4,000 homes bought, which are 1.5 million range in, in, uh, in the Santa Clara County in Bay Area, overall, uh, all Bay Area. So I compared with the uh, property that we bought, we closed in December. It's Elm Tree at Hyde Park in Jacksonville, Florida. It's a 32 unit, a, a red brick and a pitched roof building for 1.5 million. So we're comparing, uh, even though either apples and oranges, I just want from an investment sense, how, how much, uh, what is the difference between these two as an investment owner? So if you bought a primary home here, you're gonna do a 20% down payment, which is $300,000 plus closing cost. And the same thing what we got, we got 81% leverage from Freddie Mac. Uh, we paid $300,000, $280,000 plus some money to, to renovate this property. So average, like, you know, if you see 350K between these two, and here you have to pay close to $6,200, if I remember correctly, on next 30 years on your primary home, right? For your mortgage. For your mortgage, like, okay. you know, H, H, like anything else, like in your property taxes, everything. I didn't even consider maintenance also in that, but yeah. So $6,200, your insurance and everything. Here, you're gonna get average of $5,200 for the rest of the whole period. So, so just like, you know, here you're paying 6,200, here you're getting 5,000, plus you're getting depreciation, other benefits. And this includes all the maintenance, everything, you know, including reserves by Freddie Mac, everything is included in this. This is the first scenario I have, uh, you know, 
any 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 specific questions uh, Kyle Alitan is like do you want to dig in through this specific scenario no so basically what you're saying is that for the price of a home in San Francisco you can get a 32 unit building in Jacksonville Florida in cash flow off of that five grand a year versus paying five, or five, five grand, grand a month, month I'm sorry versus paying six grand a month for your primary home yep yeah that's amazing yeah so I but I had a lot of you know, negative and positive feedback, like, you know, say like, how can you compare a primary home versus an investment home? So you need to take off emotions out of it. Like I already had a lot of disclaimers and notes, like, you know, do not compare from an emotional sense. This is, uh, but still like, you know, people had like, you no, know, had some, you know, concerns, but yes, yeah, some are, some like, you know, I had, I have received positive feedback, but some has negative feedback. Like you can't compare like a California market with a Jacksonville market, but yeah, so that's what I did. Uh, but as an investment sense, um, so that's what I got. That's yeah, the well, I, These are I, real numbers. Yeah, I think it's how you use your money, right? If you have $350,000 for whatever it is, you can go pri buy a primary home or you can go buy an investment. That's your decision. So, um, right. and obviously it's going to make a difference on how you use that money. Yeah, so if I do that, I can live in the same Bay Area and pay my $3,000, like the average two-bedroom apartment in Santa Clara County is 2800 and I can pay my insurance, like, you know, if, even if I'm independent, like if I quit my job, like average uh, insurance is $1,300. So I can live off, even like, you know, you can do other stuff like your groceries and gas, like I can just kind of live financially free for the rest of my life, rest of the whole. We have a 20 year loan on this 10 year fixed and 10 year uh, floating, 20 year Freddie Mac hybrid loan on this, it's essentially you, you're paying off like, you know, a mortgage, but 30 years, you can become financially free from day one. Yeah. So I love that example, right? So you can rent for pretty much the same or for $2,800 a month or buy yeah. a home and spend six grand a month. So you're saving 3,200 bucks a month by renting technically. And you've utilized that capital to go purchase an apartment building to provide financial income. So technically, when you look at it, you're actually making more than five grand a month uh, on that with the rent savings. And these, this income is a tax-free income because of the depreciation you're getting, right? So also, like, I can invest in CDs or something else, like, you know, but you get money, but it's taxed. Here, like the $5,000 you're getting is tax-free money. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Okay. And so you mentioned you're selling some of your single family homes. Are you selling them all or, or just the ones that maybe are not performing as well as you'd hoped? I only had two. I had third one under contract, like you no, know, which uh, that's a that's a new construction. I might pull off uh, that as uh, that as well. But yeah, so I didn't have too many. Like I have total three. Yeah, I'm going through that as well. I'm starting to dispose of some of my single family homes right now, and I'm yeah. uh, going through some of the pain that you mentioned. You know, when you go through the vacancies and the turns, that's where you really get that slap across the face, and and you realize that all your cash flow is gone for the last two years that you've been building it up. So, um, exactly. you know, and it really depends on the market and and the type of product you've you've chosen to go with. So that's, you know, take that with a grain of salt, but uh, I'm definitely going through that. So I get it. So have you been able to find success living in California and investing literally on this other side of the country, right? So you're in the, you're in the Northwest and you're investing in the Southeast in Florida. Yeah, it is tough. It is not easy. Uh, but the, I picked up markets like you know, initially when I bought my single families, they were also out of state. Like you know, I bought in North Carolina and Georgia. That's how without even like, you know, getting into this, lot of this market research that we do in multifamily, 
I found these two markets, which are like really good. When, when I look back now, uh, I picked really good markets. Georgia is number three in landlord trendiness. North Carolina is number four in, in the US. Um, and a lot of population is growing. Like if you see Southeast from Virginia to Florida and Tennessee, this is the, the block other than Texas. Um, so a lot of population is moving in there, right? And when I buy these properties, I want to buy in landlord friendly state, uh, just because I don't want to mean to the renters, but when I operate these things, I have investors to answer to. I want to invest in, play, in, in places where I can do business properly. So. I, I like, I'm not saying anything back to California, but I, I live it, I hear, I enjoy a lot of benefits here. I can, maybe I think I should live in, so that's the phrase, right? Live where you want and invest where it makes sense. Correct. Right? So uh, that makes sense as an investment. So and this, this is where the population is growing and this is where I can operate my business uh, in, in, in fair and then right terms. Okay, and so. so uh, yes, so, and from your question, sorry to deviate, I picked those markets and then I kind of stick those markets because uh, the, the fundamentals are strong in these places. It's difficult. I had to travel. I had traveled five times to Jacksonville last year. It is not easy. And when I'm going to the new markets now, I'm trying to get boots on the ground so that I have to partner only those with those people who are on the boots on the ground. I now got very good boots on the ground in North Carolina, in Georgia, and, and then Florida. So, so any new market that I go in, I want to partner with someone who is boots on the ground. Okay. And so that was my next question is I'm sure that some investors, when they're looking at someone that lives in California, investing all the way across the country, they may get a little concerned as far as, you know, how are you going to operate that property? So your answer is boots on the ground. How are you finding these boots on the ground? Through relationships, like, you know, uh, through now I'm getting like more, um, like kind of extended, right? If I, initially I had to have only friends and family, now I'm getting breaking that barrier to go more and more into, into the deeper uh, in outside of uh, my comfort level as well, right? So I'm when I'm meeting them in conferences, meetups, other places in Facebook, other medium of social media, that's when you form relationships. And then once you know they're sophisticated, they're interested in multifamily apartments. That's when I build relationship in these markets. That's my idea. When I when I buy new properties, I want to buy with them. In twofold, one they they help me out in in the in the pre acquisition process, and also help me in the post closing in asset management. Right. So when I like you know I'm I'll be offering on like tens of properties in every market. Right. I want someone to to go there to help me until I get my con under contract. Right. LY accepted. They, I can ask my property manager friends to go these many times. Right. If I have a partner, they'll be willing to go to 20, 30, 40 properties. Mm -hmm. So if, if even PM, like, you know, they go to three, four, five, like, how many, like, you know, these guys asking me to go 40 properties, but they haven't got anything under contract till now, right? they also do the calculation move, right? Why I should spend with this guy? <laughs> he, he haven't closed anything yet in this market, right? So that's the, and then once I close, when I'm, as I said, like, you know, long distance in, in, in managing the property, it's really difficult. This, the person who will be, I'll be working with, Will help in this asset management. Mm -hmm. I think the loan is more properly or is real, you know, things happening, you know, but a capex budget, how things are progressing, that will be both pre and post closing. Got it. And so right now, since you don't have boots on the ground completely, when you close those properties in Florida, how often were you visiting them during the value add phase? 
Yeah, as I said, I have uh, visited Jacksonville five times uh, last year. So um, based on, because I'm buying several properties to buy these properties or to go and verify, you know, what's going on in the CapEx and everything. So maybe once in a quarter for sure. Okay. Yeah. And that's not easy for sure. So what's been the biggest challenge you face with the seven or so multifamily properties you've owned so far? Um, so I think, you know, I bought the first few are really, really heavy lifting. So we have bridge loans. Those are like, you know, roofs are leaking, like, you know, 40% of the units are kind of down to starts, like really heavy, heavy rehab stuff going on. The, the major issue is, you know, the estimations of your CapEx. I would like, like, you know, next properties that I buy, I want to make proper due diligence and get the CapEx to, you know, closest as possible so that you can, you know, plan your CapEx and a bit overall budget properly. So one of the properties that the first property we bought the 20 unit, the, the CapEx kind of almost doubled, 75,000 to 140, right? So after close? Yeah. I know the CapEx budget, right? While, while we're doing implementation of the CapEx. Okay. So yeah, after you closed already. Yeah. 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 Okay. So uh, it's just, uh, you know, those are the issues I'm facing in those. Uh, and also another thing I would like, you know, have is the median income to make sure that, that you have your median income calculated properly with demographics so that you can raise the rents properly and also make sure you underwrite the delinquencies. Um, you know, so if, you, if you're buying a C property, make sure that your projected rents are, are, with, are kind of affordable in this, in this uh, block, census block, or maybe that one mile radius. Right. Yeah, that's a great example. Can you touch on that a little bit more? Maybe give an example on median income and how the rental increase uh, will right. affect that? So the, so the rule of thumb is median income by the market rent that you're going to achieve has to be 40 or above. Right. So if you're having, you know, thousand dollars rent on an average uh, of, of this property, you need to have the median income to be 40 care above. Right. I would rather go like 40, 45 or above. So to make sure you have that cushion. Right. Um, so if you do not calculate that, like if it's 50 or above, like you, it, it will be easier for you to, you know, to renovate these properties and rent it out. Otherwise, it will be really a lot of daily expenses, people coming in and out because that, that, that demographics, that, that block doesn't allow you to raise the rents to that level, right? So what you need to see, the, not the current rents, the, the, the rents that you, the pro forma rents that you're actually going to hit. If it is $1,000, make sure the median income is 50, 50K so yep. that you have that cushion that you'll be definitely in, in a good shape if it's above 50. Right. Right. And for, for the listeners, you know, typically when you're renting, you want the income of the tenant or the resident to be two and a half to three times at least, right, of um, their yearly income. So for the example of $1,000, they're going to be paying $12,000 a year in rent. So you want to make sure they're making at least $36,000. If they're only making, let's just say $25,000, they're not going to be paying the rent every month. They're not going to be able to afford that. And so that's something you need to take a look at when you're doing value add. Yes, can you get the extra $150 in rent bump? Maybe, but can that, can that tenant afford it? You know, So that's another thing you definitely need to take a look at. So what are you doing to eliminate or maybe reduce the risk of your capital improvement budget doubling like you mentioned um, it has on, on a certain property? What are some of the things you're doing right. to avoid that? 
So we definitely in the initial, like we, we cut some corners. We need to have really like our property manager did the due diligence for us, like saying, you know, you saved a lot. So but the problem what I see is in that is like if the CapEx budget is not accurate, you'll have really difficult to, you know, you, need, you might need to do some capital calls, which is really difficult, which I did. But those are mostly like uh, JVs with friends and family, relocate, not a syndicated deal. If you're doing syndication or any deal, like it doesn't matter if you it's a JV, JV deal or partnership, you need to have really good due diligence company that you hire. So uh, the one what we are looking at right now will also give you a warranty for five years on a capex budget. So they go that level detail that you know they'll give you all the information that it will be helpful for you to make a call of how much capex this requires and. The, the second advantage for you, you can take this report and go to the seller to retrade this thing. Hey, this has all these issues, right? We cannot, like, we, these are not coming outside, right? When you go in, we go deeper with infrared, you know, uh, infrared uh, cameras and, you know, sewer line cameras, you know, drones, drone videos to get the roofs and HVACs. We got, like, you know, better information about this property. From looking from outside, it's all good. When we go in deep, these are all the issues that we got. You know, these are the 10 units which has water damage. So with, when you do the infrared cameras, then you can see this, right? The sewer lines, then you see one of has polybutylene piping or something, right? Our foundation issues, our roof issues, like you know, that you, from looking from outside, it's all good. Like when you go to the real roofer, then you get better understanding of these, right? Two, two advantages, like you, accurately calculate your capex and use this for retrade got it okay and uh my last question for the day is uh on your website you mentioned the acronym fire and uh that's financial independence retire early and i think that's been a popular subject recently and applies well to passive investors so can you talk a little bit about this concept so the exactly uh, the way the reason i came into real estate and multifamily apartments you can like you know uh, when I when I speak to a lot of people here in Bay Area, like I'm making like you know I don't know like a lot of money, right? I don't care. Like in no sense, like you're, the cash flow that you're promising is like you know, just uh, very very minor minor stuff, right? But like the only thing they need to understand is this is active income. You know, your your everything is good. Like you keep doing. You had to keep doing this forever, right? You had to keep doing this for next week, month, years to come. When when you um, that the mindset of this passive income, right? If, if even if wherever you are, right? If you're getting your checks, monthly checks, the mailbox money, that's when you can, you know, you can get your f true financial independence. You can retire. Like retirement doesn't mean like you're sitting on beach all the day, right? You can still do it if you want. But like retirement for me is I can do whatever I want in the sense that I might have ideas here. I, I can still do a lot more work than what I'm doing right now. I'll be doing what I love, right? If I'm really want interested in a startup, like an idea I want to implement, I can do that. If you have a nonprofit, that you, you have a cause that you want to do, you can do it. Because right now I cannot do a nonprofit because I don't, I need to, you know, pay my rent. I need to pay my bills. I need to pay my insurance. I need to feed my kids. But I cannot quit and then do a nonprofit because I cannot, uh, and I cannot it's not practical. So if you're financially independent, you can do whatever you can have an idea, you can have a nonprofit, you can just sit on a beach, really, if you really want to do it. That independence, you can get it with the passive income, right? 
So that's the idea for me as a financial independent and also idea as a retirement early because I have so many ideas. I, I go to Facebook and other things. Oh, this is a cause. This is a problem I want to fix. When are you going to do it? I, I just save all these posts, save all these things. I just click like and love and like in a cry, whatever it is, I can do it in Facebook, but nothing's going to happen until you take the action, right? So I see all these things, but when are you going to do it? Like 70, 80? Or I don't know, like I want to do it in 30 and 40, not in 17, 80, which you don't even know you're going to survive. Even if you survive, what is your capability of your physical and mental abilities that you can definitely do these things, right? Yeah. And I think it's important for people just to sit down for an hour or two with their spouse or significant other or whomever it is and, and work out your fire number. And that's, that's really saying, okay, what are our expenses? You know, what, what do we need to live and, and go from there? And I think a lot of the times you'll be surprised that you don't really need as much money as you think to get to that fire number. And then you can really focus on some of the things that you really want to in your life versus having to go day in, day out to your nine to five job. So Perfect. Thanks for that. And uh, Lolita is going to take us into our final four questions now. Are you ready? Yes. All right, Rama, here are the final four questions. Uh, what is the one tool that you use in real estate investing that you could not do without? Maybe I can do two, maybe. I, ha- I use, <laughs> you know, CoStar a lot. Like, you know, I can't, you know, I do for a lot of underwriting, my, my sales comps and some other rental comps, even though they're like, uh, it's, it's not completely accurate, but I just use them, uh, use overall co-star a lot for several mm-hmm. things. And I use my rentometer. I have my IMS. I have several tools that I use. Bain. I have easy map maker, but yeah. So to the top is the co-star. Mm. I would have thought it would have been one of your Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. I use a lot. Yes. But mm-hmm. what I like is uh, Perfect. Can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing so far? And what is the main takeaway for our listeners? Yeah, I think the one we just discussed, like no, not accurately you know, calculating the CapEx budget. I had to do capital, capital calls after closing. So never do a capital calling after closing. Make sure that like nothing is perfect. Like there are issues that come up, but at least the best of your knowledge, best of your ability, best of the details that you have in your hand, Make sure you budget everything, have the working capital, and do not cut corners on anything. Like have professional help. It can be attorneys, you know, um, it can be due diligence specialist, it, it can be you know, lease audits, whatever it is, like do not cut corners. Make sure you use, use professionals in everything. Yep, great advice. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? Yeah, um, more deals and more investors, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how do you uh, find your um, investors? Do you do a lot of networking? You go to a lot of meetups? Yeah, meetups, uh, conferences, like, you know, social media, ads. Uh, you know, I use blogs. Like, I see several funnels. Make sure you have multiple funnels to, to find. And, and start with your friends and family and, mm-hmm. and then do some things. And then their reference, ref, references is more. Ask them, like, every time you... Talk to someone, do not ask them to invest, like ask, like, do you know someone who can invest, right? Mm -hmm. So that's when, like, you know, you go to the next level of circles so that you can get uh, more and more investors. Yep, absolutely. And lastly, Rama, where can people find out more about you? Uh, You can uh, go to my website, zovest.com, Z-O-V-E-S-T.com. You can email me, drama at zovest.com. That's where the best way to find, or in Facebook. 
Perfect. All right. Well, thank you for sharing your story and how a shift in careers to real estate has given you the flexibility and freedom that most of us look for. So thanks for being on the show and everyone else. We'll talk to you later. Thank you, Kyle and Alita. Talk to you guys later. Thanks, thank Rama. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the passive income through multifamily real estate podcast and to get access to today's show notes and to previous shows, visit limitless-estates.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.